This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You've got Smitty here with you. And what a great week for the Clemson Tigers. Not only do they get the win over Pittsburgh in hoops, then they knock off their second top 10 team of the year in beating Louisville over the weekend and sweeping Liberty, an NCAA tournament team last year in their opening weekend of baseball under Monty Lee. And baseball is the order of the day. We're going to have Anthony Greer join us, and we'll be talking about Monty Lee and crew coming up in just a few minutes because this Clemson team looked really strong over the weekend. Now, there's questions as well. We'll play good, bad, and ugly with Anthony Greer. But, you know, the good news, the Tigers pitching held the Flames to a 156 average, and they ended up closing the weekend with a 1.33 team ERA. One of the things we're going to discuss with Anthony Greer of Fox Sports Spartanburg coming up, however, is Sam Weatherly still struggling with his command. Now, we had Monty Lee on the Sports Talk Radio Network recently, and he said Weatherly made the biggest strides during the offseason, that he had struggled with his command, he was a high-pitch guy, but they knew that going in, they were going to back him up with the pin, they'd have the bullpen ready, and they were just going to live with the fact that Weatherly, electric stuff, but high-pitch count is going to put runners on base, you know, high you know, some of those high stress situations where Weatherly's going to be going from the stretch so often. But on Friday, Weatherly still struggled with his command. And the question becomes what's going to happen to Weatherly down the road when he starts place, uh, facing quality conference lineups. And he's doing what he did, which was six walks, two hit batsmen against the Liberty Flames. But all in all, a really good weekend, an A-plus weekend for Clemson, despite Weatherly struggling with his command a little bit. He may just be that guy that's going to have to work around walks. But in the end, Clemson stranded 17 Liberty runners. That's right, 17 runners in a single game. I think 31 over the weekend. Uh, they can't always count on that, but a great job from the bullpen and Clemson pitching in high-stress situations. Also, Clemson suffered through five defensive errors. Uh, not the best weather over the weekend, so let's let's play wait and see on the defense. But overall, Clemson swept a team that went 43 and 12 last year. Uh, got really good weekends from Elijah Henderson out of left field and Adam Hackenberg. Uh, still need an answer at first base. Now, after Friday, Monty Lee said in the postgame press conference that the reason that Chad Ferry played first base, not Davis Sharp on Friday, backing up. Uh, you know, playing behind Sam Weatherly, I think all of us thought Davis Sharp was going to be either the designated hitter or the first baseman on Friday. No, Ferry won the job, but Ferry went a combined 0 for 5 on Friday and Saturday. Then Briar Hawkins, playing first base, went 0 for 4 on Sunday. So 0 for 9 from the Clemson first baseman. And Monty Lee also told us during the preseason that Davis Sharp was the best defensive option at first base for the Tigers. So... You know, we'll play wait and see a little bit. There's going to be plenty of tinkering going on. No tinkering today as Clemson's game against the Citadel has been rained out. But we'll check back in on Clemson baseball against Furman. But it's it fascinating beginning to the season. And look, it, it couldn't have worked out any better for the Tigers because it's A, interesting, and B, they're 3-0. and uh, And maybe C, the fact that they got it over a quality opponent in Liberty. So pretty good stuff there for Monty Lee and company. Now, as far as basketball goes, also a fascinating weekend because Clemson now with, you know, 
they knocked off Duke earlier in the season. They had beaten uh, NC State earlier in the year. How about this win over Louisville, which was number nine in the net rankings when Clemson got them. And so now uh, Clemson has two top wins in the net ranking, which moves the Tigers all the way up to number 80 in that category. So, look, a lot of work still to be done. We don't know. You know, Clemson could fall apart, miss the NIT, but uh, they do seem to play their best when they are playing really high competition. And that played out again over the weekend. Next up on uh, for, next up on the slate for the Tigers, who are now 13 and 12, they've got Boston College coming up this weekend. That's a winnable game. It's on the road. They stay on the road at Georgia Tech coming up next Tuesday. Then they come back home, Florida State, before going to Virginia Tech and then back to Georgia Tech at home. So Clemson could finish strong here. Um, now, 13 and 12, that's certainly nothing to write home about. Not even worth spending much time on the podcast today, but so nice that Clemson fans and those of you that hang in there with Tigers basketball got to see another big victory, uh, another storm the court style victory, this time over the Louisville Cardinals. We'll see where this goes, but uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk baseball. We'll get in deep because Clemson baseball good this season. I think they're an NCAA tournament team, but are they the kind of team that can host a regional or do they have the kind of pitching to get them through the regional this year under Monty Lee? Those are some of the topics we'll dig into with Anthony Greer. And also this question that we'll kind of debate throughout the year, how Davis Sharp is utilized by Monty Lee. And is he the most interesting chess piece in all of college baseball? We'll dig into those questions and more when we come back. It's your team every day, the Locked On Clemson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast, your team every day. If it's orange, it's on the Locked On Clemson podcast, where we track what's happening with Clemson football, baseball, basketball, and more. The and more to include softball now, history-making week for Clemson on the fast-pitch softball diamond. So we'll uh, be sure to track that as the season goes on. But right now, so much is happening Uh, both in football, basketball, and in baseball as well. And the ACC released a statement yesterday stating that it supports giving all athletes the ability to transfer one time without sitting out a year. Just five NCAA-sponsored sports require athletes to sit out for a year after transferring. So for those of you that think that because, you know, we follow football so closely and that kind of is our, you know, the prism with which we see NCAA uh, regulations, only five NCAA sports require athletes to sit out a season, and that's football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, and hockey. So 
that could be changing or the ACC is supporting it. We'll see where that goes and if it affects grad transfers as well. So we'll track all that coming up. Uh, Also, Clemson has announced its 2020 football game day designations, which means which one of the, the games is going to be family weekend, which one is homecoming. We'll go over a couple of those here. Akron will be family weekend. Uh, that's you know early game, September 19th. Virginia, the Virginia game at home is going to be Ipte Day in October. Uh, NC State's game against Clemson at Death Valley is going to be the Hall of Fame Day, which means the Hall of Fame class of 2020 will be recognized and introduced. We don't know who that class is, who's in that class just yet. Homecoming, uh, homecoming is Syracuse, October 24th in uh, the schedule. November 14th versus the Citadel. How appropriate. That is Military Appreciation Day. And November 28th, it's... Uh, South Carolina in Clemson this year, solid orange day. So we'll continue to to get into detail about that as the season closes in for Clemson and we start spring practice. Uh, We're going to start breaking down position battles for the Tigers coming up with some guests. We'll have Will Merritt back with us, former All-ACC lineman, to do that, especially in the trenches. That's his expertise where he was uh, in there playing guard for Clemson when they were at uh, a record-setting offense under Tommy Bowden and Rich Rodriguez and playing in front of Woody Dantzler. All right, now let's get into baseball with Anthony Greer, uh, open mic daily. He and Ryan Clary do a tremendous job of tracking not only Clemson and South Carolina baseball statewide and nationwide. They just take in a lot of it, take in a lot of the information from D1 Baseball, Baseball America, and others. And so it's always fun to pick Anthony's brain. Also, you know, kind of paddle it back and forth a little bit, ping pong style as to who we think the best teams in the ACC are, where Clemson lands among them, and what is Monty Lee going to do with Davis Sharp? To me, the most interesting chess piece in college baseball, and I think he's Clemson's best arm, best glove at first base, and potentially its best bat. So how Money Lee handles Davis Sharp will be absolutely fascinating as we move forward in the season. But as it stands, Clemson's 3-0. and So we ask Anthony, what did he learn? What was the good, the bad, and the ugly from Doug Kingsmore Stadium Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? You know, you kind of come into this opening weekend playing Liberty, who Won 43 games last year, made a little noise up in the Chapel Hill Regional. So you're playing a quality opponent. They got the whole weekend staff coming back. They're Friday and Saturday guys, and they moved a midweek guy to Sunday. So you knew from a pitching standpoint it was going to be possibly a difficult weekend, and it kind of was that way a little bit. But then you flip it and you ask what's a good side. Well, good side is Clemson pitching looked great all weekend. You know, Liberty was coming in with some question marks on the offense like Clemson was, but they were able to hold Liberty to kind of five runs over the weekend. So that was great, uh, especially Saturday and Sunday. I think Weatherly on Friday, that was a little surprise that Monty named him the Friday starter, but Davis Sharp didn't pitch at all during the fall. And Spencer Strider, of course, for the next month, month and a half, they're going to have to work him back slowly. So Weatherly, though, on Friday kind of struggles, you know, walking guys again, eight strikeouts, six walks. I thought maybe he got a couple of nice calls early. Could have been possibly a little bit worse. He hit, he hit a couple of batters. So you don't want to panic too much. It's just one start. But this is a guy that through two years has, has struggled with walks, and it'll be something you know interesting to go with these next couple of starts to see what they do because Clemson's got options this year at the pitching. So if, if he continues to struggle with that, they're going to quickly move one of those other guys 
into the Friday roll. But if you ask kind of what I saw from the weekend, you know, I kind of get to it in the end, and I thought, you know, with great pitching on both sides that this would probably be a low-scoring series. And I kind of really thought Clemson would win two out of three. I didn't think they would, they would sweep. And it's good that they sweep because they need to stack wins here early. But I think ultimately when you look at this team on paper coming in, we went, we like the pitching. We like the potential of the pitching. It's trending in the right direction. But I wasn't sure where the runs were going to come from this year. And was really surprised on Friday to see some of the guys at Money Point out there. Sam Hall batting seventh. You've got Parker batting in the three spot. Uh, Keir Meredith at two. We thought maybe he would be leading off. There's no Briar Hawkins, no David Sharp. And it looks like he's already starting to begin to tinker a little bit. And I think the biggest thing I could take away from this weekend offensively is you know, the last couple of years, Clemson hits a lot of home runs to the fact that they lead the country in home runs. This team, 180, is a complete opposite direction. They only end up with five extra base hits the whole weekend, I think three doubles and, and two home runs. So this is a team this year that's going to have to rely heavy, heavy, heavy on their pitching, and they're not going to have that, that luxury of falling down two or three runs and just getting a guy on and hitting a three-run homer. That's not going to happen this year. Well, Anthony, uh, you, you just uh, brought up Sam Weatherly. So I guess here's my 10-second question for you about Sam Weatherly. After you went over uh, in depth you know, with me earlier that Sam Weatherly was a guy who struggled with control last season but had great stuff. Well, then the offseason comes. Monty Lee says he made the biggest strides. He gets the opening day start. We're surprised. Then he gets out there and what? He struggles with his command. He looks like the same guy. From Is he a, the Friday starter? All season long. I, if he continue, you know, honestly, if he continues to pitch like a Friday, uh, this past Friday, then no. Uh, you, it, it goes back into the – it's so difficult because it's it's opening day and it's one start, so you don't want to panic. But at the same time, this guy's a junior, and in his first two years, he struggled with this mightily. So I think the fact of he kind of almost – Monty tells us it's because he, he made the biggest strides, which I believe that, but I think it's, it's also circumstance. Davis Sharp came in from high school was a two-way player and was used a lot, and they had to use him a lot last year. And so in the off season in the fall, they didn't pitch Davis Sharp at all. They didn't start him until a little bit around Christmas or a little bit after Christmas. So he really honestly probably wasn't 100% ready to go, and I could see where Weatherly pitched better than him. And then you get to Sunday, and there's, you know, Strider coming back from Tommy John for the first four to six weeks of the season. You know, they didn't want him coming out of the bullpen. He had to start, but he can only go to the lineup, you know, maybe one time right now. So then Matt Clark's going to come in after him and probably finish out a lot of games. So I think by the talent's there, but I think because of circumstances, Weatherly ended up kind of just being the Friday guy. But you you saw with David Sharp on Saturday, you saw with Spencer Strider, his one time through the lineup on Sunday, there's options there. And if Weatherly, you know, continues to struggle with command, then no, I think possibly – if there's a cutoff point, probably the South Carolina series. By the time you get that series, you're 10 games in. You've probably made, at that point, three Friday starts. That's kind of the stop-off point to where if he's still struggling with command, he's talented and good enough to be in this weekend rotation, but it probably gets pushed back to Saturday or Sunday at that point. Yep, there you go. Uh, Sam Weatherly, by the way, walked six, hit two batters. So uh, he's exactly who he thought he was. He's a Dennis Green pitcher. He's exactly who he thought he was. He's exactly who Monty Lee thought he was. Now, after Friday's game, now here's here's a kind of a you talk about tinkering. Here's a tinkering question for you. So after Friday, Monty Lee said, "Hey, Chad Ferry got the at bats at first base because he won the job. It had nothing to do with David Sharp and rest or anything like that. He won the job, but 
Ferry goes a combined 0 for 5 on Friday and Saturday. Brian Hawkins comes in place first on Sunday. He goes 0 for 4. It's hard for me to buy that Davis Sharp is not the best option at first base. But what's so interesting about that is if he's not going to be a starting first baseman, why is he pitching on Saturday? I just would I would wonder why not throw him on Friday. Then maybe he gets a day of rest and he, he DHs. But if he's not your first baseman, I'm really curious as to why he's not your Friday night starter. I just, to me, that's the biggest question of the season is what do you end up doing with Sharp? Because, you know, you, you talk about the good, bad, the ugly. I, I thought the ugly, the ugliest thing of the weekend is Chad Ferry is not the answer at first base. There was nothing I saw last year that would that would lead me to believe that. In this past weekend, you talk about 0 for 5, but he also had a couple of costly errors over at first base. And you can't have a, a, an error-prone first baseman and then have a guy like Sam Hall at shortstop who struggled this weekend. You can't have both those positions be weak defensively. So if he's not giving you anything offensively either, I'm not kind of sure why he's out there. You know, one of the interviews that Monty had in the preseason, he said that in the interview, Sharp was their best defensive first baseman out there. So that kind of becomes to a, at what point do you have to make a switch with He's going to hit this year. He's going to pitch. But it may become to a point in some way as, as they get to the halfway point, the season begins to pick up, and that second half of the schedule goes, where does he become more important? Does it become more important being your Friday guy, or does it become more important of we need him in the lineup hitting third or fourth and playing defense at first base? That's going to ultimately be the biggest question that this team faces all year long. You would hope Weatherly pitches good, Strider pitches good, you know Matt Clark's good and solid. And eventually you can switch at some point, have that be the weekend rotation, and then have Sharp where you just kind of go, hey, you're still going to pitch, but we'll have you come in in high leverage situations, pitch an inning here, inning there, be a setup guy, whatnot, because we need you to have you in the lineup. Because this was a team going into first base. There were, you know, It's the old joke, who's on first? I don't know. I thought maybe <laughs> Ryan Hawkins, who was there last year, they said they're going to put him at third. When well, Parker's won third, I'm kind of surprised Chad Ferry beat Hawkins. I don't see how that really happened. I figured from this point forward, he needs to be the guy you give more reps to. But at some point, that question will have to be answered is, does Sharp go in the lineup and play first base instead of the DHing, Or does he end up being your Friday guy? And however that question gets answered may determine how far Clemson ends up going ultimately. Took a peek downfield, had a lot of room, that breaks the tackle, and is still running. Lawrence in a foot race. Will they catch him? Touchdown, Tigers! Wow! A game-changing play. I know we're in the midst of it here. It's kind of we're in the eye of the storm with Clemson baseball. But as you look out across the country, is there a more interesting chess piece than Davis Sharp? You know, honestly, no, not, not that I can think of at the top of you know, my head. I know down in South Carolina, they've got that lone, the young freshman at third base. That's a very interesting story. But when you're talking about some guy that can play both ways, and then you, you, you throw in the fact that Monty and them were already having to tinker and figure out what they want to do, the fact that opening day he was in the lineup, and this is the guy that DH and hit four all last year for you, I get, you know, you talk about Clemson baseball, one of the biggest problems they've had under Monty Lee is the pitching runs out in about April. And they get into April, May, the second half of the season, they get into the regionals, and it just kind of runs out of gas. And we get to regional weekend, and he's rolling out guys that we haven't seen all year long. 
Well, now you've got a guy that's talented who can do it both ways. You're going to have to figure out and answer that question, you know, whether he pitches or whether he hits for you. But more importantly, and Monty said it, you know, doing one of his pressers, we don't want to wear him out. Yep. You know, and I get it. He's a sophomore. It's a little bit different. You'd think he'd have a little bit more stamina. But at this point, he's so important because this guy could potentially – he was your Friday starter last year. This is a guy that we that I watched last year and went, that's the first Friday guy Clemson's legitimately had in a couple of years. And now this year you have to answer the question of, is it more important to have him be a Friday guy or is it more important that we have him batting three or four in this lineup? The good news is is that you have options this year. It could be Weatherly. If it's not Weatherly, then it could be Spencer Strider. If it's not him, it could be Matt Clark. It could be Holt Jones, Carter Raffield, Mac Anglin, who was supposed to go today before the game got postponed. There's options out there. But this season can go by fairly quickly, and you've really got about the next month to answer a lot of those questions. Well, let me throw this at you. And and this would actually take – it would almost have to be an assistant coach would have to be assigned to like David Davis Sharp's participation. But I just wonder if not the best way to use him, knowing three things, knowing that he is one of your best bats on a team lacking power, and David Sharp has power. Number two, he's your best defensive first baseman, best option late inning situations at that position, and one of your what, top three arms without argument, right? Yep. Okay, those three things being true with Davis Sharp, what if he just started the game on the bench and you sixth inning rolls around? Maybe he pinch hits. Uh, and then you can put him in at first base at that point and always bring him into pitch from first right. base. So almost as if you just wait until the first situation arises where either you get a runner on in the sixth inning and he comes in and hits for Chad Ferry or Briar Hawkins, or maybe Sam Weatherly wears out after five innings and Davis Sharp goes into pitch uh, two or three. And maybe... You, you almost sit him on the bench and just assign him the position of Davis. As soon as we need a bat, a glove, or an arm, you're the guy. Yeah, I think that's a good point because basically what you're getting to, Smitty, is he's going to – it's early in the year, so I understand holding him. But at some point, he's going to have to play every day in, yeah. in some in some sort of fashion, whether it's DHing, whether it's first base coming in late, whether it's coming in and, and – I'm closing a game out or he has to pitch on Friday. You're going to need this guy every day. And he's capable of doing it. Just maybe here early on, Monty's probably deciding, you know, let's tinker around because they're going to have to platoon a lot in this lineup. You've got a an easier slate right now. You hit midway, then you start doing your, you know, at Miami's, your Wake Forest, your at Louisville's where it really picks up and you'll you'll have to have him every single day. So it's still kind of, it's still kind of early. But like I said, at the end of the day with him, you have to figure out what's more important. You know, is he going to be – because I, based off what we saw this weekend, he may still be further ahead of Weatherly. I mean, if, if Weatherly pitched so much more than he did in the spring and supposedly passed him, and he's literally just picked the ball up right after Christmas break, after just one weekend, it's still clear as day that he's the better option. All right, so we got to figure that out. You know, is is, is, is do you keep him in some sort of fashion in the, of this rotation or hopefully these other guys figure it out, which is why it goes to me at the end of the day when we talk about Clemson in this season, the pressure's not on Monty Lee. I think the pressure's on Andrew C., the pitching coach. The talent's now there. Figure out what it is. And then a guy like Weatherly who struggled with, with walks and hit batters his first two years, well, first time out, he looked bad. So this is a team, ultimately, we talk about David Sharp ends up being the key piece. 
Andrew C. and this pitching staff is another important part of it because that's the wall they've been hitting so consistently year in and year out. And if this is another year where Clemson kind of makes a regional as a two seed or a week two seed and gets bounced out again, Monty Lee's not going to lose his job, and he shouldn't. But Andrew C. better watch out because, like I said, they've been building this up, and now the talent's there. There's no reason people should be hitting walls. Monty's going to take care of the hitting side. This is the lineup that he's wanted since he's come there, the hitting the run, the hitting the runner in scoring position, moving guys along. He finally has kind of the roster to do that. He's going to have to get a little bit creative, and ultimately at the end of the day it's going to come up to him with how they end up using Sharp. But at the end of the day, if there's any guy that needs to be a little bit wary of his job, it's going to end up being Andrew C. And David Sharp, once again, plays a big key and part of all this. Yeah, and I'm with you. I'm not worried about Monty Lee's job. He's such a good such a good. Uh, Coach, I think Clemson's very lucky to have him, and everything's going to work out at Clemson. But I would say this, there is some pressure on Monty Lee, at least kind of message board pressure, you know, which is different, but message board pressure in that when a game is over and if Clemson were to lose 3-2 to two and Davis Sharp never never gets a bat, uh, or or if Clemson gives up two runs late in the inning and Davis Sharp, uh, late in the game, and Davis Sharp never pitched. I think that's where kind of message board pressure fans would be frustrated that their best player isn't playing a role in a loss. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think at the end of the, the Monty Lee was a perfect hire. Was glad I'm glad that he's here. Uh, obviously, you want to win a regional. I think at the end of the day, to speak for myself, listen, Clemson baseball is not a top five, really not even a top ten program at the moment. They could potentially get there. But I think sometimes you have to sit down, and I get fans don't look at the recruiting you know, articles and things of that nature. Clemson's kind of right now a fringe top 15-ish program. That's where I want Clemson to be at the moment. What is a top 15 program? That means you're, you're battling to compete to host regionals. It means, you know, in a five-year span, two of those years or maybe three, you're making a super regional, and hopefully once four, every four to five years, you're making a run to the College World Series. Hasn't got there yet. So maybe you know this probably better than anybody else. When you're building a baseball program, it's not like football or basketball. You have to build it through the pitching. That takes four or five years. We're now getting into year five. Okay, here's the pitching. The problem is now the hitting this year, you know, is really not there. And it didn't help with Michael Green getting kicked off the team. And then Jonathan French, the incoming freshman catcher, who was probably going to eventually hit his way in the lineup, gets hurt and is out for a while. But that's the things you have to end up dealing with. At the end of the day, though, all you can ask when you look at this team on paper, it goes back to what you asked earlier, what did you learn from this weekend? We know the pitching going to be good on this team this year. We know that this lineup's not going to hit for a lot of power. And I've got to find ways to get runs. But this is still a team that should make a regional this year. And I think if you compare it to Monty's last couple of years, this is a team, because of the pitching, that should get to a regional and should get to Sunday's game and not be getting creamed 9-2. to two or 12-1 to 1 and, and completely running out. They should be able to get through Friday of a regional and still have the pitching. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think what's going to cost this team this year is just there's so many holes in the lineup. Listen, there's going to be a guy or two that we don't really know a lot about that's going to have a nice year. And we'll now pencil that in and go, okay, next year's this. But there's still so many holes that I think eventually that bottom of the lineup is going to put enough pressure on the pitching that they're going to have to have the pitching be super elite. And as good as this pitching is, as much as it's trending up, I don't think it's elite yet. We may be another year away from that. So we're looking big picture for this team. It's make a regional again and just let's get to the last game and not get it totally handed to us. Let's not have a Vanderbilt game where they're hitting, you know, a home run every other bat, it seems, and we're bringing guys out we haven't seen all year long. That is going to end up being the end goal for this team. And some fans don't want to hear that because for baseball, they have higher expectations. 
but it's getting there. You got to give it a little bit more time. Well, let's quickly do this because what might stand in the way of this team is the ACC is pretty good, but Louisville took it in the chops this weekend from Ole Miss. So take us through kind of what you saw, I guess, maybe broad picture ACC and, and maybe, you know, did, did you think, do you think anything differently about the conference than you did heading into the season? No, I mean, like I said, I think we'll learn a little bit more this weekend. You know, if you look at it, Louisville goes on the road to Ole Miss, uh, which Clemson fans know the ball back. Went to a regional there last year. That's a very good team. Uh, they lost a lot from that team last year, but they also had the number two recruiting class in the country behind Vanderbilt. So there's a buttload of talent. It's opening weekend. You know, the last game they lost, you know, on a, a strike them out, throw them out, which was actually kind of very really pretty. You lose two or three on the road to an Ole Miss team, that's not bad. Uh, Miami will learn a lot this weekend. I know they've moved up to number one. They're going to play Florida uh, this week. Uh, I look at it as a good lineup. They have good solid pitching. they got some questions in the bullpen, so we'll learn more about them. Uh, Wake Forest looked fine. Duke, who I've actually got making a run to the College World Series. I just like that team a lot. They've made a supers the last couple of years. Uh, they took two out of three against Army. Uh, as far as everybody else, everybody else, much like Clemson and, and others, didn't really play a lot. So there wasn't a lot to really read off of. But excited to see what Miami looks like this weekend. And very curious to look at some other teams that are around Clemson, possibly Florida State, NC State, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, see what those teams kind of do the next couple of years, or excuse me, the next couple of weeks. But if you look at the ACC as a whole, this is probably really the deepest it's been really in a couple of years. And almost to the level, it's not past the SEC. The SEC is still the best baseball conference in the country. But you can make a really good, strong case that the ACC is going to be number two this year, and then they've caught up a little bit.